Ladies and gentlemen, it's football time in Oklahoma. The offseason is gone, and sooner football is back, and so is the Scooter Pod. But we've never left you. But now we're actually talking about real football games. I'm Bobby Howard. With me today, my co-host, Jameson Maxwell, Ty Lee. We're here to talk about game one. The Oklahoma Sooners, Sooners and the Arkansas State Red Wolves. Uh, I'm thrilled about it. Um, and before we get into this a little deeper, yeah, there's there's big recruiting news that happened. We know about that. That's why we recorded a little mini episode. If you're listening on podcast form, just scroll down and find it. It's 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 there. I promise. So if you want to listen to that, go listen to that. If you're listening on YouTube, uh, we have the video up already. Go check that out. Uh, but after you do this one, so. Anyways, guys, how are we feeling? Ty, I want to I want to hear from you first. How are you feeling about the season coming up? Uh, exciting stuff that we're actually finally here. Yeah, I'm very excited. We talked about it in our Big 12 preview, but OU has a uh, astonishingly easy schedule. I was thinking about this the other day, but I I don't know that I can remember in our lifetime. So going back to the the late mid 90s. Oh, you having an easier schedule. Obviously, you never know. Uh, teams can always shock people. Teams can always turn out to be a lot better than expectations. But I think that this should be a good confidence-building year for this OU team, a good final ride in the Big 12. Unfortunately, we're not going to get to play a lot of those teams. But like we talked about, uh, you know, ultimately that might hurt these teams by uh, just giving us an easier path, hopefully, to the Big 12 championship game. So I have pretty high expectations for this team, uh, and I'm feeling good about our ability to put out a product that should win you know, a good number of games this year. I'm, I'm with you. I think this is a team that can win a lot of games. I think the schedule helps that. It's It feels like a training wheel season before the SEC. So um, I, I think, to me, that looking at improvement, looking at wins, that's that's exactly what I'm uh, the most excited about. Jameson, your thoughts entering the season opener? Yeah, here's the thing. If you're expecting us to break down the Arkansas State football team and what they have deficiency-wise that OU can go after, that's not this podcast. We're going to be centered more so on what I'm looking for and what we are looking for in OU this first game and kind of what we're looking for in trends for the rest of the season. So it's going to be a fun one. Um I feel like a lot of my takes are similar to that that I had in the spring game, but screw it. Let's just talk about it. Yeah, let's just kind of dive in. This is a very OU-focused uh, episode because, uh, frankly, there's not a ton to talk about. Usually these cupcake games early, there's not a ton to talk about. Sorry to Arkansas State fans looking for us to dive deep into no. this one. but uh, there's Their quarterback's last name, Bobby, is Shrout. Ooh, okay, that's not good. I, I know that, their quarterback... That... Their quarterback so last year's that's Shroud is bad. That's bad. <laughs> last year, their quarterback actually is a uh, last year's quarterback ended up going to the NFL for them. So I guess they're replacing that, which is which is a bummer. Uh, I guess they're running their running back played at Iowa State for a while, so he's probably pretty solid. Uh, but other than that, the only thing I know about Arkansas State is Butch Jones, uh, former Tennessee head coach. We've we've seen him in the past. He was coaching Tennessee. Uh, during that 2014 season, uh, the 2015 season where uh, we had that epic game in Neyland, uh, a, a real champion of life, as he called himself. I'm mm -hmm. not sure if Arkansas State, uh, if they're champions of life or not, but uh, no. 
yeah, they're not champions of much. I'll, I'll say that they were they uh, were three and nine last year. Let's just put that in perspective. <laughs> yeah, th- this is a and it, yeah, I mean, Ty, Ty brought up a good point. You, you never know with games; they can be surprises. Uh, just look at USC. They we didn't think they would probably none of well none of us on the weekend spread thought they would battle with San Jose State, but uh, well, there you go. You never know. Um, but Arkansas State they they aren't that guy, pal. So mm. um, let's talk about the Sooners. We're excited to see so. Um, Kyle, I'll kick it to you to start off. Um, what are you most excited to look for in, um, in game one for OU? Really what I want to see, I think comes down to coaching things. If I were to put it all in one broad category, I mean, I feel like we hit on this every single start of the season, but what I don't want to see is players looking confused or out of position. I, I almost see this. And again, no disrespect to Arkansas State, but this should be a spring game-like scenario. It's a scenario where people are coming out there and they're hitting you full force. You have real refs, real game clock, everything else, but it essentially should be a practice situation for this OU squad. And that's not to talk up OU. I mean, that's what these, these early games are designed for, for pretty much everyone. So I don't want to see people out of position, people not knowing their assignments, people confused about just formations and where they should be. And then from there, what I also want to see is just a really conservative use of the people that we have, you know, take them out there, knock the rust off, you know, get some real game reps in for who we expect to be our starting receivers. I want to see, you know, as little running as possible from, you know, almost everyone, because you just don't, we're not going to get a whole lot of value in, in adding that wear and tear on our, people who we're going to need to rely on late in the season. So I think if I had to one big category coaching and then break that down into people need to know what they're doing, look like they know what they're doing, and then make sure that we're not burning up our playbook or adding unnecessary wear and tear to our players in a game like this. I agree. Keep it simple. Just straightforward. Don't get crazy. And, you know, knowing how, how usually these go, they know not to go crazy on poor Arkansas State. You know, I know you went six and seven, uh, but at the same time, don't let out your anger on them. And they know that they're 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 smart about that. And I I I, I bet we'll see that for sure. Uh, Jameson, what are you looking for? Uh, to? Yeah, it's it's usually with these. I'm not really looking too much at like your starters. The starters are going to go out there and they're going to do things. Other than like you know like new guys like Andrew Anthony. Um, I'm more looking at like the the guys at the, on the second spot. You know, Nick Anderson for one. I think that a guy can be like that number three outside wide receiver. Can he go out and make some big time plays with his frame and kind of show the fans I'm here and I can actually be you know a contributor to this offense? I think the wide receiver outside wide receiver room has a lot of opportunity and guys like Nick Anderson, Andrell, Anthony, and Jaquez Petaway would be really fun to watch. Yeah, absolutely. That that receiver room. I think is the one I'm most excited about. And every year it's the groups that we, that have a lot of newcomers, a lot of new uh, fresh blood in there. And the wide receiver group is other than Drake Stoops and a little bit of Gavin Freeman, just full of guys. We haven't seen Andrew Anthony being one of them. Uh, and if you look at his stats at Michigan, not a lot to be excited about. in his uh, two year, I believe two years there, only four touchdowns, 300, uh, 328 yards, but he, he's a guy who I think will be pretty impactful and it'll be fun to see him a little bit just like in the spring game. Maybe we don't see a ton of him uh, in terms of what he fully can do. Um, 
and obviously staffs have changed, but we've seen wide receivers pop up in the middle of the year out of nowhere. Uh, Hollywood Brown, to say the least. Um, so yeah, I, Anthony might we we might not see the crazy level of production until later, but who knows on that. Um, but I, I will say the thing this. is like speed guys are going to do really well. Bobby, it's it's like speak guys are gonna do really well whenever you have like inferior competition. I, I obviously don't know, I don't want to sound arrogant here, but seriously, like Arkansas State is Arkansas State. not not one of our biggest games of the season. And can we get a guy like Andrew Anthony running deep free and Dylan Gabriel hitting him in stride? Hi, I understand we have a lot to talk about in Dylan Gabriel and his deep field accuracy and his accuracy in general, but like can we see a big play like that where he gets these guys in stride and get long touchdowns to the point where we can run up the score early and bring in our backups in the second half. Yeah, here you got it. With with Andrew Anthony specifically, if maybe if we can turn the graphic back because I'll I'll keep it focused on him. We have time for Dylan Gabriel. We'll get into that. But I, I think one thing that really comes to mind with Andrew Anthony is it just seems like at the college level, a lot of these defenses only have like one or two good corners usually like one good corner one good safety so sometimes it's almost better to be the wr2 i think at the college level open up a lot more opportunities that was the first time i got to work that in this season very excited i will be working that again weekly but um yeah no there's there's truth to that though that's more than just a a running joke if you have that guy who maybe isn't the flashiest but obviously you know super highly recruited guy if he came from michigan performed well enough there and has now come to OU, and I think it's he's in a great position to be sort of slept on or underappreciated by defenses, especially early in the season. Obviously, you know, Arkansas State is Arkansas State, but if you have a guy who's unproven coming in, he, he might be the better receiver, you know, if you're comparing him to, you know, Drake Stoops or, or someone else, but you just have that name recognition that's in the game tape that people are going to recognize. It, it can really be a, a tremendous advantage, so good to see the depth. Uh, where we're not going to see depth is in Dylan Gabriel's ability to complete passes. Uh, if those go beyond like five yards, he just turns into Dak Prescott. Okay. Well, okay, here we go. <laughs> okay, I'll dive into it because I'm actually I, I think Dylan Gabriel, like even though we're not opening up the playbook, some of the biggest issues with Gabriel last year were just his skills, missing, well, not skills. It's the it's the, it's the tiny things. So they he he wasn't quite hitting them against UTEP or Kent State um in those early games so you could kind of see the cracks early i feel like against kind of bad competition this is a good you know in-game action uh situation to you know display that you're not overthrowing guys you know your your timing's right you're you're finishing better on third downs i i feel like i feel like that's what i want to see out of qb1 uh with dylan gabriel is just just tight more tidiness uh a better Mm -hmm. A better um, understand, maybe less of an understanding, but more comfort in the system, um, and just better execution. I, I think I think this is a really good ch- uh, chance and opportunity for him to really display that. Yeah, I, that that's definitely coming out strong right out the gate is a big deal. You know, last year I thought it was a big big deal having the first three drives of this OU football team having touchdowns. I understand we we're playing UTEP, but you need these kinds of momentum plays to go out and show that hey, 
this, this is going to be a game that we're going to put our foot down on their throat and that we have some things that we can look forward to for the rest of the season. Now, if we go three and out in the first drive, I don't want to hear mutters from the stadium, but I guarantee you there's going to. People are hurt because this team went six and seven last year and they want 59 to zero games now um, in this first game of the season to help the team, I mean, help the fans become more optimistic. Yeah, I mean, I think we are looking for definitive, solid football and i think we we i think even though it's not everything how you perform in these early games it can be an indicator of how you do across the board if you take care of business if you're focused if you're solid you know even though you might not be tested as much by the defense you're test you're kind of testing yourself how how well you focus on attention to detail how well you you know really really go at it so to me i i, I mean that's I, I think that starts and ends with Dylan Gabriel offensively uh, in terms of yeah. getting the job done. Ty, is there anything Dylan Gabriel could do this year in all seriousness, all seriousness, mm-hmm. all jokes aside that can turn your narrative of like saying Dylan Gabriel is a poor quarterback. What would he do? What would he have to do to prove you wrong? I mean, so this is serious, but then also a joke, right? Like complete <laughs> a pass beyond 20 yards. <laughs> Uh, would be somewhere to start, but yeah, no, I'm not, right, like, write it down and clip it because whenever he gets I'm not a twenty a, yard pass, listen, I'm not a hundred percent right. I'm not, I'm not entrenched in this take where I just can't get out. Right, turn it back a couple years. I was hating on Spencer Rattler. Now I'm praying that he can somehow return because we would have at least won eight games last year if we had him. So it can always get worse, right? And it reminds me of, and not to do this to Landry Jones, he's light years beyond where Spencer. Or, or Spencer and Dylan Gabriel are, but like everyone thought that Landry Jones was not great because he just had to follow Sam Bradford, right? Like Dylan Gabriel, for all of his faults, like he also got, a, you know, not the most tremendous hand. I mean, he's following Baker Mayfield, then Kyler Murray, then Jalen Hurts, and then sort of Spencer Rattler, sort of grease over that, and then the defending Heisman winner, Caleb Williams. So, of course, he's not going to look that great, and, you know, he didn't throw that many interceptions. Bobby conveniently has left out his fumble statistics there, but it's just, yeah, he can absolutely turn it around. Um, yeah. I mean, not in an Arkansas state game, obviously like it, it should be zero faults yeah. in this game. Yeah. I'm not saying yeah. zero incompletions, but like there should be no, nothing to pick on him about in this game, but he's not going to turn it. You know, I'm not going to flip the script all of a sudden because he performed well against Arkansas State. That's fair. Here's the thing with with Dylan Gabriel that I feel like not a lot not a lot of people are talking about, and it should be talked about more often. It's fumbles. Is, well, yeah. Well, okay, I understand that. Yes, he did have a problem with fumbles. Um, but in terms of expectations of him, I feel like we threw Dylan Gabriel into a higher echelon of kind of expectations last year because he had already been playing in Jeff Levy's system at UCF. You know, people were like, oh, he knows what he's doing. He can hop right into this first-year system, and it should be a pretty seamless transition. Here's the thing. He was a first-time quarterback in a brand-new system that he's never gone to, and Jeff Levy was, you know, brand-new as well. Like, why are we thinking, like, he just gets a free pass just because he played with him a couple years before? Like, I think that's just a little bit ridiculous. And now that he's actually played a year – Last year in this system, he should at least get some of those, you know, wrinkles out of his play and those little tiny mistakes that we'd see from him every once in a while. Hopefully we get those out of his game now that he's more comfortable in the system. 
I agree. I, I'm I'm optimistic that we will see a better version of Dylan Gabriel. I don't know how much better he can get. I I think we've kind of seen a pretty high high mark. Uh, keep in mind, this is a guy who is nearing top ten uh, in I believe all time passing touchdowns. It's or passing yards. He he's a guy who's done a lot in college uh, over his years, uh, both here and at Central Florida. Um, so um, I don't know. I don't know if his ceiling is if we haven't seen basically him at a ceiling, but I think he will be better, more comfortable. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm certainly looking for. Yeah. The um, thing is he just didn't progress through a lot of like his routes in terms of the offense last year. And that was the thing that I yelled about all the time. seems like he'd look at his first, you know, wide receiver. And if it wasn't there, everything would break down. He'd panic. That says to me, either, you know, a, there's there a character flaw and he just doesn't really do well with pressure. Or I think, Obviously, a part of this contributing here is he needs to learn the system even better and get comfortable in his own skin, and therefore he can progress through the offense and find different um, wide receivers. So that is by far the biggest thing that I'm looking for from Dylan Gabriel this season is can he go through option one, two, and three and work outside the pocket and do well under pressure? Yeah. Yeah. And Bobby just threw a comment up from 1982 in the chat, and I I absolutely agree with that. Half of Dylan Gabriel's six picks last year were against Baylor, and I think realistically, like he said, if you take those three picks out of that game, OU wins that Baylor game, which I wholeheartedly agree with, right? Because the inverse of that is Dylan Gabriel caused us to lose to Baylor. Mm. I mean, yeah, I, I, he was. He was a huge contributing factor to the team. Um, but obviously, there are a lot of other things going on in Baylor as well. Um, but we have, like you said, Ty, such a high you know, uh, expectation of quarterbacks in this OU football program. And Dylan Gabriel is a very competent quarterback, but I expect more from him. And, and I, I think do, that he should yeah. rise to that occasion this year. Yeah. I, I do want to say, to Dylan Gabriel's credit, um, it, it's also yet to be seen if Jeff Levy can really develop a quarterback because you have to, you know, turn the clock back. OU's had really good quarterback development even prior to Lincoln Riley. I mean, prior to Lincoln Riley, you know, now you're talking about Josh Heupel, who look at what he's doing in terms of developing quarterbacks that are getting all sorts of buzz and, you know, really, really excelling in the SEC with Hinden Hooker. And obviously, you know, he's a head coach over there bit of a different dynamic. It's not just his show as, as he was at, as the OC at Oklahoma. I'm not sure why it's so hard to talk for me right now, but OU has had a really, really good run of, you know, head coaches and offensive coordinators for the past, you know, since pre Sam Bradford in developing quarterbacks. And that's something that, that also can't be, you know, not to cast stones at Jeff Levy, but it's, you know, you also have to appreciate that. That came to me, Bobby, and you're talking about, I'm not sure how much more he has to develop. Some of that might not be his fault necessarily. You know, if we, we just don't have coaches that can develop at the level that we have had in the past. I mean, Lincoln Riley can develop quarterbacks like no one else. And then, you know, like I just touched on, Heupel obviously also able to develop very, very successful quarterbacks, especially when it comes to, to leading teams and winning games. So, you know, that has to be, you have to give him the benefit of the doubt there as well, because they it's college. They're here to learn, you know, when it comes to football and he could have, you know, more talent than some of these other guys that have, have performed better than him. And sometimes it's just the coaching hand that you get dealt. Yeah. I mean, we've been on a pretty incredible run of off- offensive coordinators um, from Lincoln, you know, Lincoln Riley, 
Um, every everything with Hypo was was really good. Kevin Wilson uh, obviously has done great. Now the head coach at Tulsa. Um, I think the only one you can say that I mean, because obviously you can go back Mike Leach, Mark Mangino. Um, maybe I, I can't remember the guy who he had in like oh five who wasn't great. Um I'm I'm blanking on him, but yeah, you're not gonna he's get any help from me here. <laughs> yeah, he's clearly clearly not great, but I rem- I remember everybody being upset about him. Um one of one of Stoops' old buddies. Uh anyways, it's been a great run, and I mean we'll we'll see Chuck where Long. Chuck, Chuck Long, Long yes. and Kevin Wilson. Kevin Wilson was great. Chuck Long it was, was a two hat situation. Yeah, which same with uh you know, Josh Heupel, he was all, he was one of the two hats. What uh, a great, um, but to me, I, I feel like, I feel like it's been a good run. And, you know, Levy obviously was probably the hottest name in offensive coordinators at the time. Uh, but we'll see how it goes. You know, I, obviously mm-hmm. his work at Ole Miss was great. Um, so uh, if, if that success continues over at OU, we'll see how it goes. But um, I kind of want to keep talking about quarterbacks. I know we've talked about a lot, but there is that second end. And I feel like one of the most fun parts of these games is after you get the big lead, put in the backups. And to me, it's our first chance to see Jackson Arnold, uh, 10th overall uh, recruit from the class of uh, 2023, uh, fourth quarterback in that ranking as well by the 247 composite. Uh, Pretty massive massive deal oh you got him early um jeff levy i believe the second he resigned at ole miss uh walked into jackson arnold's uh, living room and offered him so a, a pretty a pretty big qb here uh filling filling the void of our i can't remember who he had before the previous guy lincoln riley had um but yeah jackson arnold probably not a big deal this year because you know barring dylan gabriel getting hurt he probably won't see much first team action but this is the guy for the future and getting to see, have him play live action ball. I mean, frankly, that's the only reason I have a ton of interest in staying for the second half with the temperature being what it's going to be. Uh, and I know we, there's always a joke about me talking about the weather too much, but with the, the temps looking to be like 107, it's, it's going to be a little bit of a conversation, at least from a fan perspective. But I tell you what, I'm, I'm sticking around. I'm going to sweat, sweat it off to, uh, to watch Jackson Arnold because I want to see this guy play ball. Yeah, and here's the thing, and Jimmy asked this in the chat, like, how much time are we expecting to see Jackson Arnold play? In a perfect world, I think, you know, Dylan Gabriel comes out and they put up a lot of points in the first half, and then DG gets sit, uh, gets sat, and then we see Jackson Arnold for third quarter and then halfway through the fourth, and then you'll see, like, a General Booty and Davis Bevel come through in that last part of the fourth quarter, you know, I really think Jackson Arnold has the potential to come in at random times this season just for something, some kind of change of pace. He has so much talent that, yes, I don't think he's going to start at quarterback if Dylan Gabriel's healthy this year, but so much talent to where it's like, I think it's going to be positive for him to get on the field as much as possible throughout the year. We're not going to worry about a red shirt with him. Um, So having a game like this is so important because this is going to be the longest stretch for the most part that he's going to play a game this season with Arkansas State. You know, SMU, I can't guarantee you. Tulsa, I I feel like um, we can still get a decent run from him. But we know in Arkansas State, we're going to get a lot from Jackson Arnold. So it's even more important from Dylan Gabriel to do well early so we can get even more time from Jackson Jackson Arnold. Ty? 
Yeah, I agree with Jamison on, on one big thing before I roll into mine is he's not going to be a, a redshirt guy, I don't think. He's already, um, you know, he's got the size. He Obviously, it's hard to take high school development, but, I mean, you're talking about a guy who's five-star recruit, was the Gatorade player of the year, was the, the player in the state of Texas, I believe, or the DFW Metroplex, which is, you know, more impressive than being the top player in, like, most other states. So, like, he's proven himself. He was able to run in high school, uh, which is always a good thing. <laughs> you have a quarterback who's, a, you know, like four or five-star recruit, but then they're a pocket passer in high school. That's kind of – I start to worry about their their uh, credibility a little bit. But he's – he is the future, and I think, you know, you want to protect him but also get him the most amount of playing time um, that you can. I mean, I, I'm looking at it as this year is – not one to be to be slept on. You know, we need to realistically, we could go. I'm not gonna say we could go undefeated this year, but we have a very simple schedule. And even if we produce a slightly better team than we did last year, we will appear to be significantly improved. So I really think this year is just about developing guys like him, guys that will be here for longer. And I think it's important to ease him into stuff. Like someone just said, put him in some pressure, you know, put him in some real pressure times if we can, but also just get him those game reps and build him up, build his confidence. Don't wear him out. Don't hurt him as we roll into, you know, next year and the years beyond where he can really start to hit his stride and where it's really going to matter. Yeah. And I, I think, I think that that's where, you know, that is the point of Jackson Arnold for sure, because he's not from what I've heard too and read and everything, he's not quite there yet, which He's a freshman. Most freshmen aren't there yet. Um, so get it, getting them a little bit of live game reps, real college football reps. I, I'm with you, Ty. That'll be absolutely uh, incredibly uh, um, important for sure. Um, shout out to Mr. John for that comment, by the way. Th- shout out to everybody uh, joining us live. Uh, 1982, Jimmy, et cetera, et cetera. We'll call you out um, and read off these comments and questions in a bit. So keep them coming say the least uh also mm-hmm. shout out michael whitman as usual um but let's move on to some more guys we're excited about um I- unless you have anything else to say on um jackson arnold jameson no i i think really like in terms of keeping the theme of the offense i think one of the biggest question marks of this offense is who are we going to have coming out on the field on rb1 and i've heard a lot of people start talking i think marcus major could be that guy yeah he's getting a lot of first team reps um gavin sawchuk seems like he's been a little bit hindered in terms of his injury status as of recently so maybe like the the pipe dream that we had talked about in the past couple episodes about him being the guy that come out in the first drive for the sooners might not be there so javante barnes versus marcus major who's going to come out there in that first snap and even if you know marcus major comes out in that first snap who's going to have the better stat line because i guarantee you that rb1 position is going to still be a battle after this game yeah, Ty, Ty's had those diamond hands on uh, Marcus Major's stock. So I'm, I'm about it. Yeah, years, years in the making. Um, honestly, I feel like this this RB1 debate, and I don't think this is necessarily even a bad thing. I could see this being something that, you know, isn't even settled till late in the season, maybe even never settled. You know, but perfect world and this opens up a bigger debate specifically, you know, really big in the NFL right now, but in a perfect world, you know, your running back is not someone that you super, super have to roll out. Like 
if you're doing things correctly, you should be able to plug and play with most running backs in your system. You know, obviously people are, you know, a little bit faster, a little bit better game sense, ball security, obviously a big one. And, and those little things do add up and matter, but I could see us really not necessarily even having to have an RB one. And this is not trying to make an excuse for Marcus major. I think he's going to be RB one, but I could see us in a situation ideally where, you know, the line and the execution is just in a place where you don't necessarily even have to have, you know, RB one situation where you have like an, you know, I'm not going to say we want to pass up on having like an Adrian Peterson, but ideally the system should be where, especially if you're talking about just those runs to, you know, pull the, pull the defenses in a little bit and just try to get four or five yards that should be something that anyone can do. And, and that would be perfect, especially when it comes to wear and tear and things like that, especially in this first game. Yeah. I, I yeah. love a good running back, uh, running back room by committee. I, I think that that's great. And like you said, obviously you, you would love just an absolute star, but with, with how the game is, you, you, you don't want to, the feature back era is just, isn't a thing. And if it is, you you never want to rely on one guy. Um, it, it just not it's it just not feasible or sustainable for how football is right now. Um, I, really I do want to say, I don't think the feature back era will ever completely die in college, just because the you know so many teams and, and you have the massive disparities in talent, and you always have those generational talent. Like you're always going to have like a Derrick Henry, Marshawn Lynch, someone else that is going to be a a feature back for someone, I'm sure. I don't think that'll ever completely die in college. But yeah, you know, that NFL stuff carries over. And like you said, Bobby, that era of a team relying on a heavy RB1 is just not not there anymore. Mm-hmm. I, here's the thing that we haven't thought about, and I think you kind of might have piqued my interest with this, tie. is, you know, I don't think college will move to this, you know, RB guy rb by committee like the pros are right now to try to get this you know wear and tear off the running backs but kind of on the flip side of that if we're having guys like you know gavin sawchuk javante barnes who are really up and coming guys as sophomores but they're playing in a three rb system you can almost pitch to them right now and saying like this is a positive that you can keep fresh legs you're not getting hit too much your overall snap count is going to look like it's that large compared to other rb ones you know say like a jonathan taylor at wisconsin who got like millions of snaps um if you play in our system and show things on tape there are going to be teams in the nfl that are going to want you more just because you played in a like a system that where you didn't get beat up over and over and over so the moral of the story is say Marcus major goes out and maybe he leads us in snaps this year or and carries for running back. I I'm not concerned that Javante Barnes talent is like, dude, like going to have any kind of like impact for his NFL draft status. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like the quarterback situation at all. Yeah. Especially, you know, I think there is a question of tread on the tires, uh, so to say. So yeah, I, I, I agree. Like, that is absolutely a uh, a bright spot if he isn't having to take the lion's share of carries, um, and I, I don't think it's a I don't think it looks bad on any running back really if they're not being the only guy. Mm-hmm. So, Jamison, you could see the future for for running backs being almost like a pitchers in baseball situation where you're looking at at pitch counts on arms and 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 things like that wear and tear, and you're looking at statistics in relation to number of attempts instead of just overall stats something like that is that what you're saying i i guarantee you college coaches are having this conversation with the running backs right now with what 
the running back conversation in NFL with Josh Jacobs, Jonathan Taylor, um, Austin Eckler, all of these guys not like getting the uh, Saquon Barkley, not getting the contracts extensions that they deserve because of how long they've been playing the game at running back. So I really do think, you know, programs like OU, programs like Alabama, unless they have like, uh, and programs like Texas will play multiple running back by committee because they're trying to get ahead of things, you know, um, unless you have like a talent, like a Bijan Robinson, say like, you know, Javante Barnes this year, it's absolutely undeniable. Every single time he touches the ball, it's electricity and it is a step above, you know, Gavin Sawchuck and Marcus Major. Oh, you coach has got to go like, okay, I, I understand we're trying to play RB by committee, but we play so much better with him in the backfield. He's going to get the lion's share of the carries. But if it truly is, the talent is very close to each other. Oh, you should not have any problem giving, you know, say Marcus Major 12 carries, Javante Barnes nine, 10 carries and Gavin Sawchuck six with more passing downs. Yeah. And I, I will say, I will say that point you made about Bijan was really interesting because even though he did get a lot of carries, they also had Roshan Johnson that they would put in uh, a yeah. player who did, who got drafted. Um, so, you know, even, even the best of the best, you know, having a guy to rotate in lighten the load, always a good idea. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this offense should be a lot of fun. Really kind of the overweening thing that I'm looking for in this game is I want to see big plays. That is the absolute biggest thing that will get the crowd into it early, bring people's optimism, obviously really fun to watch, but at the same time it means that we're executing our formations and our plays and picking apart the defense. Yeah, because I mean, this isn't a game to look at like, oh, how's the offensive line doing? You know, they should dominate. No, they're they going to do what they do. Whoever's there, they should dominate. You know, th 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 this isn't that type of thing. And I'll go as far as saying, like, defensively, I don't think there's, you know, a ton to really look at. I mean, it's one of those where it's like, if they do their job, that's great. They were supposed to. If things get bad, then yes, you panic. But it's one of those, like, yeah, you should handle Arkansas State. Don't get super thrilled about it. Mm -hmm. you, need a, you need an example of that? Look at last year, where we thought the defense was fixed at the first couple games. Uh, and then we got a really, really uh, rude awakening against Kansas State, you know, right after non-conference finished. So, yeah, like defensively, it's like, yeah, well, a little fun, a little, a little bread and circuses. But, you know, I don't want, you know, I, you, you just don't, don't, don't get too excited. I'll pose a question for both of you. What amount of points from Arkansas State you know, total would make you happy. Like with this point level um, number and below where like, I felt like our defense did a good job. 10. Like, I mm -hmm. think you hold them to 10 and I'm like, okay with that. I know that sounds like a lot, but like, or not like, not like a lot, but like, I know that seems like kind of a low number, but like, I mean, come on. Like that, that, that's like one kind of garbage touchdown. And then they kick a field goal. I, I think, I think I have high standards. But Arkansas State's not good, um, so I think I think ten to me it would be a pretty solid number. I'm going to give you all an answer that you're going to hate. I, it depends. So, like, I could see a situation where seven is worse than you know seventeen, because I it matters like how it's occurred, right? If if we have just a terrible like they're able to move the ball a few times and then just a terrible like execution missed assignment touchdown. I'm going to feel a lot worse about than just garbage time. They keep big people out there and they're just throwing the playbook out and they get a few on like the third stringers or something. It should be zero. Ideally it should be zero. Our 
you know, second, third string guys should still be able to hold the line defensively. And I think defensively, it's like I talked about, as long as you don't see missed assignments and everything else, it should be zero. It's, it should not be a game of chance with this big of a mismatch. It should be a, you know, like a chess match or something. And we're the better chess player. There's no like level of chance that comes into that where you should be losing. If you're like a chess grandmaster and you're playing someone that's never played chess it's not, we're not playing like a, a game of chance here. So I think it should be zero, but maybe 17 was a high example. I, I could see a situation where three or seven is worse than Bobby's 10. So I'll go with 14, but it, it really depends on, on how they're occurring. I mean, mm-hmm. seven, seven, and it's off a of pick six, I'd argue is worse than 10. And they just have two garbage time tribes. So it, it really does depend, and it's it's all on our end, really. Yeah, so, I, th- I think the asterisk here is really, I don't want Arkansas State to score a touchdown in the first half. That That's, I think, the biggest thing. If we can hold them without a touchdown in the first half, and then we have our kind of our second and third units come in the deep, uh, for the defense in the, thir- in the second half, I think um, I'm okay with kind of some sloppy touchdown, some sloppy play, because at least we're trying some things. Yeah. I I think that's the biggest thing is how much does the first unit give up? Um, yeah, I think that's that's situationally Ty Ty and you right on the money. Um, it depends on how it happens. I, I'm with you. Um, do we do we even want to kind of talk about guys who we think we're excited about seeing? Because I'm not. I, I think for me, like I, my first thought is like I wonder what happens with Peyton Bowen. Where where do they put him? Sixteenth uh, overall. Uh, recruit uh, second overall safety uh, in the 23 class. But also, I don't think they show that. I don't think they they show their hand on what they'll do with Peyton Bowen. So I think if anything, they'll just kind of show him as a straight up safety. See, I disagree with you there, Bobby. I think that they're going to play him in different spots throughout this game because he needs reps. So we have such a strong safety room, you know, above Peyton that he needs to go and get big time reps at place uh, at positions like that nickel cornerback and like possibly the cheetah as well, because, you know, key Lawrence slash Reggie Pearson on one side and then Billy Bowman on the other is a super hard seat to take as a starting position. So if you really think Peyton Bowen is that guy and is one of our best 11 football players on the defense, which I think that there's a really strong argument for that just from the limited amount of, tape that we've seen from him thus far you've got to get him some run at different positions there's not going to be like a scouting report where we're going to come into i don't know cincinnati and they're like oh i've seen peyton bowen be playing at like three or four positions and i feel like i can pick apart ou's defense because of that i i just don't think that showing our hand with peyton bowen is really a big deal at all that's fair because i mean who's the first opponent you'd be actually worried about scouting i kind of think it's texas you know Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, they're not going to be watching Arkansas State tape that seriously. Like, <laughs> no, come on, they're, they're going to be looking at the tape. other ones. Yeah, you're right. So, yeah, let let Peyton Bowen go around the field. I love it. I want that to be the answer, anyways. I don't like boring football. I, I want to see cool mm-hmm. stuff happen. You know, I'm I'm going to be out there sweating. Uh, you know, up up in you know my 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 seats all the way up by the press box. So yeah, I don't want to. You know, I don't want to be. I don't want to be watching. You know, boring you know, vanilla football the entire time. I want to, I want to have a little bit of excitement. Yeah. I I don't think there's too much showing your hands really anywhere on the defensive side. If you show that 
you know, someone or a certain position group or something is extremely weak, then that can definitely show your hand. But obviously offenses are planning to, to deal with defenses all season. But I, I think that defensively, especially once you get into conference play, you're generally much more reactive to the talent and the playbook on the other side of the ball than the offense is to you. Like obviously every good offense is adjusting to, to the defenses and stuff. But I, I really think, I don't think you're really changing anyone's playbooks or revealing your hand by testing someone out all over, especially if they have the skill to, to do it. And I, you know, I agree with Jameson and it kind of leads into one of my earlier points about how this should essentially be more or less a practice is get them these in-game reps. And hopefully, you know, it's unlikely to show up against Arkansas state. And this goes for sort of every position group, but hopefully if there are any issues, they do at least, you know, show symptoms or something in this game so that they can be, you know, mitigated or treated, whatever term you want to use uh, before, you know, that's the, the downside. The the double-edged sword to these layup games early is like OU last year, um, you can have some issues that maybe don't show their severity until you're deep into the season. And then it's getting a little late to do something about it because now you have four days and then you're back on the road against another heavy conference opponent again. So I, I do think that, you know, Peyton Bowen especially – play them wherever you can. I think get, you know, get people the reps in, you know, I don't necessarily know that the reps are going to be that quality, even if you just focused him in one group because of the, the skill level of the opponent. So, yeah, I think it makes sense for not just him, but for him specifically to put him, you know, everywhere you think you could possibly use him and, and just see if, if stuff happens. Yeah. I'm about it. Yeah. Bobby, yeah. you're wrong. That's what we're saying. <laughs> I'm cool with that. I, this is one thing I'm okay with being wrong on because I don't, like I said, I want I want it to be fun. I want to see where I want to see what happens with him. I want to see the the secrets of this team. You know what what what's been stewing, you know, the past mm -hmm. couple months. I, I'm I'm ready to get a taste of it. You know, yeah. it's like yeah, the off season is like cooking a big old batch of chili. You're sitting there waiting for it. You're smelling it, and as it gets closer, you're just ready to dive on in. So for mm -hmm. me, I want to I want to see what's going on under that lid. I want to see what 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 uh, Brent and the cr and crew have been cooking. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, kind of putting a bow on the safety room, I want to see at least one of our safeties get an interception in this game, and that is a very low bar. I think it's a very low bar, but I, I think Billy Bowman is the type of guy that can get it. Um, I'll be looking for him as kind of my prediction of, I think Billy Bowman will get an interception in this game and make a big-time play. Um, but I could also see it from Key Lawrence as well. I could see it from Peyton Bowen, you know. Um, or, I mean, like, and whenever it's the third or fourth quarter, does Robert Spears Jennings do it as well? Like the safety room is really special. I'm, I'm not making a bold statement here, thinking that the safety room will get a turnover. You kind of hope, you kind of hope for some turnovers, honestly, to mm -hmm. force it. And you know, as we know all too well, uh, that's not exactly something you can control all the time. Uh, whether or not you get turnovers, and it shouldn't be a part of your game plan. <clears throat> Alex Grinch. Oh, uh, but at the I guess same that's time, just me. Oh my God. He's, he's in my brain. I need I turnovers. Know. I need speed. 
but it's Arkansas State, so you should be able to force takeaways. So yeah, no, I'm I'm with you. I, I want to see that too. I, I would love to see it see that out of the safeties. Uh some hard hits, big sacks out of the D-line and uh linebacking crew. You know, you, you want to see that exciting stuff. You want you want a little bit of optimism. I mean, you can't you can't take it too far. You can't get too excited. We're talking about safeties and then Alex Grinch and speed D. I just had a, a random <laughs> flashback to just the, the absolute pinnacle of Alex Grinch speed D at OU. I think it was, maybe you could help me, Bobby. I think it was 2020, maybe 2019. We had that big Buki interception at home and he was going to take it like 95 yards for a pick six. And then he fumbled it at like the five. That was <laughs> Kansas 2020. Yeah, I the, that was a peak to there. That was just the most stereotypical Alex Grinch speedy, undersized speedy guy. Kind of gets the play and then just the worst possible execution. I don't want any hype for Peyton Bowen from Bobby because Bobby said Brendan Radley House is going to be like an All American essentially as a freshman that year. Um, yeah. So let's just say Peyton Bowen, you're completely different than that. We're going to move on from those safeties because I don't want Bobby to talk about them anymore and jinx them into a bookie. Um, I guess different kind of realm. Uh, but I think a guy on this defense in the first unit that I'm looking forward to seeing how he plays is Jaron Canick. Cause I know that there has been some kind of, you know, back and forth is, is he really going to be that Mike starting linebacker this year? And we know, you know, Danny Stutzman is already slotted in at the will, but well, Jaron Canick next to Danny Stutzman, his best friend look like a seamless inside linebacker room to where they are really, really good. Second line defense can come up and make plays and plug runs. I, I think I'm really excited to see him because he, honestly, he's really, really fun to watch. And at the same time, I think he needs to make a big, um, you know, statement. So guys like Connor near and Kobe McKenzie don't come chomping at his ankles. I think that's fair. Yeah. I mean, you, Kanek has been a name that we've obviously been excited about for a while, but he's not, he's not an unquestioned starter. And, you know, I, I love having competition. I love having that little bit of spice in there, but um, yeah, I, I think for everybody in that linebacking core, you know, this is a chance to make a statement to make some plays and, you know, get some snaps in meaningful moments. Yeah, it, it's just the really the big the big thing with the inside linebacker group. It should be like yeah, you said in forget it. Like Jaron Canick's got so much talent, and Danny Stutzman's got so much talent. But there's still some things where it's like you know they got to put the IQ thing in and make sure they're plug in and you know playing coverage as well um, with everything. So hopefully, I mean like having best friends start right next to each other in a position where, you know, linebackers are such a big vocal leader of this defense. You know, a lot of them, you know, are the ones getting the plays and getting people into position. If you have that chemistry amongst those two, I feel like that's best case scenario. So I'm cheering for Canick to really become that guy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, he's obviously, you know, highly recruited, you want you want that potential to pan out, so I uh, would love to see, love 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 to see uh, Jared Kanek pan out. Um, any more kind of thoughts on the defense, Jameson or uh, Ty? Uh, any thoughts on uh, the linebacking core? Uh, well, thoughts on the linebacking core? Uh, no, not necessarily. I mean, I, maybe to to one up, Jameson said he, he'd like to see at least one um, 
interception from the secondary. I'd like to see at least one forced fumble from the linebackers. I think that'd be cool. And, uh, you know, not a layup, but it's, it's something that's plausible, but it, you know, defense as a whole, I think, and I forgot to mention this on, on the offense as well. Obviously it's easier to do it on the offense, but no pre-snap penalties should, uh, should be had. I, I think on the defensive side, I would tie that into as well. No situation where we have to call a timeout because we're not set uh, defensively. That's that would just be a, a terrible, terrible sign. Obviously fixable at this point in the season, but defensively, I mean, I don't have anything for a specific position group. I think that's kind of because of the opponent we're playing. But yeah, yeah. shouldn't have things before the snap. And back to my greater point about just confusion. Everyone should know what's going on. Yeah, I think Danny Stutzman really should kind of be that person that gets everyone in the right position because he's been playing for a lot of snaps now um, early on in his career. He should be a leader for this defense. So um, hopefully it shows. But I, I understand, like, yes, we're playing Arkansas State, but I think the cheetah position is something we'd be remiss not to talk about. Uh, you know, is it going to be Desan McCullough? Is it going to be Harrington? Harrington should get the start. Um from what we've heard, but Tasamakol is just so fun, and he's a type of guy that's going to play a lot in this game. And fans are going to be ooh and on for. He's going to be so much fun to watch. Just like there's going to be some series, like I don't know how y'all watch defense. Like maybe a lot of people will just watch the offense and just see where the balls go. go ball goes. I'm going to key in and just watch Tasamakol for like you know five or six snaps in a row, and just see what he does and see how he kind of works throughout this defense. Yeah, and McCullough, I mean, I think the reason why he's not, you know, the starter at Cheetah, why Harrington has that spot, is because with McCullough, he's 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 a all-out go hit somebody type of guy. He's a situational guy in a way. Um, when you see him, you know he's going for the kill. You don't want him pat like stepping back and pass pro. You don't want him kind of trying to cover slot, which you know, I, I, obviously being versatile is important, but this is the type of game where you just kind of unleash him and just have some fun, mm. you know, he get the crowd going. Game. Yeah. He should, he should absolutely destroy these people. Uh, so McCullough, yeah, that, that would be a big deal. And let me say something about Harrington, because I feel like we've he hear the same story over and over. It's like, Oh, he's doing so great. And like, he's undeniable in practice and like, he's going to be our starter. He's going to be our guy. And then like, he comes out in the game and just things fall a little bit flat. You know, he's got a lot to prove. Is he just a practice player? Is he just a guy that looks good whenever the cameras aren't on? And whenever the cameras come on, he messes up. Uh, I, I think this is this is his last go. We, we've seen twice now that he's been a practice guy and not a game guy. So three strikes are out if it's um, for Harrington, if he doesn't come out and show out this season. Um, but, if you know, I've, I think McCullough is a pretty good consolation prize. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, obviously a lot of hype with him coming into the season with, uh, you know, his uh, experience at Indiana, honorable mention, all Big Ten. We've talked about it a ton um, and for good reason. Um, and I, I've, I've had a lot of I, I've made a lot of graphics based on like newcomers. I had Rondell Bothroyd on here. Uh, super, super, super senior. I, this is a six year uh, transfer from Wake Forest. Um yeah, he's just going to do his job. I don't think it'll be that exciting, but it'll be pretty cool to see him, I guess. I don't know. Uh, he's going to be know. he's going to get after the quarterback, man. I I I think he could get some, a couple sacks. Yeah. This I mean, this defensive line should absolutely just raise hell. So, I I am I'm, I'm excited about it to say the least. Um 
any any other bits on the defense? I think we kind of got everything covered. Ty? <laughs> I mean, I think defensively, I understand that the personnel, you know, to a lesser extent are going to be here for for longer. But to go back to my sort of what I had to say on Jackson Arnold, last year, consider it a wash. Defensively, I think what I would really, really like to see is to start to see the foundation being built for the defense that we want to have in the future, especially as we transition mm-hmm. to the SEC. And sometimes that can mean, you know, just plugging holes with very, very, very senior transfer portal guys, whether they be, you know, uh, juniors coming in now or super, super seniors that only have one year. But sometimes, you know, it can be really beneficial, even as Venables is establishing himself as a head coach to just bring these guys in, plug the holes that are there. And then especially if you can do sort of a a resume flip, because, you know, he wasn't necessarily in a situation where he was super being doubted, but, you know, the constant argument about Lincoln Riley, right. Is he only had transfer quarterbacks for his first couple of years, his first, uh, you know, what was it? Four years actually. So you can do the same thing to a lesser extent, much, much less flashy, obviously, for Venables, but transfer in your defense, transfer in your D-line, show that you can do something with a D-line as a head coach because he's shown it at Clemson as an assistant, and then that boosts your recruiting and, and everything else. So really, if anything, I, I don't want to say I want to see them function as an advertisement. Obviously, you want best, you want what's best for all of these individual players, but you know, plug the gaps that are there. I think that's a great analogy to use for a, for a defensive line and show that we can put a product out on the field that can, especially on the defensive side, especially on the D line side, just put size and push people around and plug gaps and stop plays at or behind the line of scrimmage. And, you know, this goes for the linebackers and the D line, especially you know, this is my biggest, this is my big takeaway. It's it's come to me as I've done this monologue. <laughs> Defensively, especially for the linebackers in the D-line, this year and this game especially, I want to see plays ended at first contact. We should not yep. have to have, you know, obviously I want multiple people because that means our, our scheme and our execution is on point if we're getting multiple points of contact at, at first contact or very shortly after. But I don't want to see guys break and tag on the Arkansas State especially, but all year. And I think that's going to be a good sign of, of positive things to come if we really cut down our rate of plays that are going to second, third contact before they're stopped. Mm-hmm. I think that I think your point on the transfers is interesting, Ty, because the way Venables um, kind of functions, I feel like he would prefer not to have to bring in guys like Bothroyd. Obviously, great talent is going to help this team a lot. Bring in guys like Trace Ford you know, to come into this team and be big time contributors because we had such a deficiency at those defensive end positions last year that he needed to bring in some help. You know, he wants to have, you know, progression and development from his young guys. So, you know, we didn't even talk about PJ had you know, like he wants that guy to turn into a superstar to where he doesn't have to go get a starter, a one-year starter every single year. Um, That's just how he ran things at Clemson. So, I'm, I'm interested, and I feel like we'd be remiss as we're coming to the end of this podcast. Um, Josiah Wagner can be a guy that will play early freshman year. 
and then become a guy that can be a starter for cornerback even next year and into his junior year, PJ Adebowari, obviously, and then Jaquais Petaway and the wide receivers. Like those are three big freshmen that obviously aside from Peyton Bowen and Jackson Arnold that we need to be really looking for in this game. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And, you know, I definitely, you know, in the future I'll make more graphics, but uh, I, I, I definitely think that, you know, our, uh, freshman class last year, obviously massive top five type of deal. Um, there, there's a lot of uh, new faces, young faces, and I'm just truly excited to, to see. So, um, definitely mm-hmm. excited to check that out. Um, anyways, let's kind of let's kind of dig into like some of the side notes, some of the comments, and we've heard yeah, a lot. Let's 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 talk yeah. about Whitman's question before you forget. Yes, absolutely. So we'll yeah we'll we'll get to the pink out stuff in a little bit, uh, but. Um, in terms of what Whitman said, in the veins, in the vented questions, one from later, what metrics should be looked at to define this season as a success? Hardware, a target win loss, re- win loss record, key wins, etc. That's a really good one. And I think, you know, the normal OU expectations is like conference championship and then compete for a national title, be in that range of, you know, college football playoff, uh, that sort of thing. I think we can be realistic. And say that's not going to be the case. Um, I don't know about y'all, but for me personally, it's it's essentially get to get to the Big Twelve Championship, uh, be basically in like genuine competition to get there, um, mm-hmm. and then a bowl game in the vein of either you know New York Six or like the Alamo Bowl. Um, I, I think I think from a win loss record, I think you're looking at ten wins, nine wins, something like that. And in terms of key wins, I it's less of a key win and more I want to be competitive with Texas. You, you, I think you have to see OU improve. Uh, I don't know if they can or will beat Texas, but I think it has to be in a, a position where that game is competitive because you can't have another blowout. You can't have another game where OU does not look like they belong on the field with a team like Texas, with your with your chief rival. Um, so to me, that that's basically what it is, is look a lot better compete for the big 12 championship. Uh, and then the little details, if you can actually get the hardware uh, and take those steps, that's fine. But overall, if you're being competitive, if you're at that level, it means you're doing everything else. Right. So that, that's my thoughts on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the bottom line. I think the goal of the season is to not be embarrassed again. Um, what, what Ty said with the schedule will come, like we'll have opportunity to win games, but moving on to the SEC, like a success in my scenario is no embarrassments at all. None. Ty. Yeah. So my, I have an, an overall take. It ties into, I think everything that you all mentioned, but I think there's one thing that could almost be considered an intangible. That is the most important thing possible for this team where we're at right now it ties into you know execution it ties into no embarrassments it ties into performing against your rival ties into going to a decent bowl game against another good brand and winning and it obviously ties into you can't have it without winning and i think that's ou desperately needs to change the narrative around this program and around brent venables look at what Deion sanders is doing at colorado they have not played a game yet at all. They're going to win like three of them, maybe one of which being TCU, which is going to be electric. (laughs) And 
it's but it, the the buy-in to just to get people to transfer there, it's all going to collapse. It's all a you know a big fraud over there. But it shows what you can do with just the right marketing and buy-in and everything else. And I think Venables is good enough. This OU team is good enough. This institution, this organization is good enough that we can do some level of fake it till you make it. I'm not saying we haven't made it. OU has obviously made it when it comes to college football. We are a legitimate blue blood, and that is a real thing. But if we're struggling right now, you know, we we really, really need to turn this narrative around because that's going to drive recruiting. That's going to drive brand deals as that becomes more of a thing. That's going to drive what is the future of success in college football, even as we move into the SEC. Obviously, hype doesn't win games for you, but – it can make a big, big difference. If we have another year of just, if we're embarrassing against this schedule and we just get absolutely embarrassed against Texas, you know, I think Venables is in the hot seat. And then you really, it's, you're really going to see it hit recruiting um, at the end of next year. And you're really going to see transfers at the end of next year. If we put up a big stinker, like we did last year, again, this year with the schedule that everyone is hearing is so easy and everything else. It, it, it will be the collapse in the short term of this program. We really need to turn that narrative around. And we got very lucky with the schedule that we did in terms of getting all the tools that we need to turn that narrative around and say, okay, OU's back on the up and up. They can obviously recruit. And, you know, last year was a fool me once situation. They're not going to get fooled again. Here they come. Yeah. I, perfectly said. Um, and Perfectly said. If you ask that question as an engineer, obviously terrible answer. There's no, you know, metric that can be measured there. So I'll say 10 win season, win the bowl game against another big brand. I think that's the easy answer for sure is hitting your um, over under. What is that 10 even, right? Hitting that 10 is a big, big deal um, because that means we probably lost to Texas and dropped one other. But I think dropping two others other than Texas would be a poor season for us. Agreed. I, I and the schedule paints that, and I think I the the point about embarrassment. It's yeah, that's we you you can't be you can you can excuse this as like it's a down year, but the people are saying we're bad. They think we're ass. They think mm-hmm. we're garbage, and you know you can you can talk about the little things all the live long day. You can talk about how we lost all these games by three points, and it really wasn't that bad. We really just need to iron all this out. At the end of the day, we were six and seven. You can't be you can't, one thing is 100% sure you cannot be in that range at all. You cannot mm. lose games by 40 at all. You have to be Oklahoma. You have to show that you're still the same program, regardless of who, who's coaching. Lincoln Riley's gone. We're moved on. And that improvement has to be there. Um, 100%. 100%. Um, I will say, you know, it, it, it won't. I think there'll be there'll be challenges. There'll be t- tricky things, and you know, as we know from uh, and saw from you know what Brett Yormark said at the Texas Tech touchdown club, uh, <laughs> you know the the conference is rooting against us. We yeah. got one holding call last year. You have to rise above that, and it seems like the team is knows that they know what they're having to do. Uh, I've I've been reading and hearing reports that they've been uh, the officials are bringing in for scrimmages. They're telling them to intentionally make bad calls. Uh, so you have to deal with that because you, at the end of the day, nobody's going to give you an excuse. Nobody's going to give you an out. You're OU. You're supposed to win. You're supposed to be good. And 
It's if it sucks, if you think that's not fair, you're at the wrong place, man. Mm -hmm. That's completely true. I hate that officials thing. It's so we don't want to go down that. That's such a it's a big pet peeve. That doesn't make sense when you're looking at like actual training methodologies. That's like, oh, we're gonna run a track meet, but to prepare you for something crazy happening, you're only gonna run in one shoe. Like it doesn't. It's like practicing fumble recovery all day. It doesn't make sense to bring in officials that are going to make bad calls. Just mentally prepare for that and then execute properly or practice. I, and I think probably whatever. more, it's more like if it's borderline it's like against game. you. Yeah. Well, we're in practice. They're both. Yeah, but practice is for practicing fundamentals. It's not for, <laughs> yeah. It's not just, it's probably not all of it, but it's like, hey, we're going to throw a wrench in this one. You know, if you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. That yeah. Sort of yeah. They, they play so many snaps. Might as well throw in something different. Um, yeah. But I, I think overall, that's, that's a really good kind of look for this season. Um, I know, Bobby, we wanted to talk about um, the Brent Venables and the pink stuff. I haven't seen any official word on pink, but I understand that is a rumor circulating. Do you know more information about that? Right. So um, 1982's brought it up. Uh, Fatty71 brought it up, uh, asking if the pink out's still on. Um, and yeah, the um, university uh, has not made any you know, official thing. Um, usually... Usually they probably would have said something by now, but um, there are little details about the stadium they haven't dropped yet. You know, we still don't know like new concessions, all that sort of thing. So as the week goes on, we might hear something, um, but it hasn't been officially sanctioned by the university. If you want to do it, go for it. That, that's that's kind of how I'm thinking of it. And until there is an official word of we're doing a pink out, we're doing all that. Um, I mean, I, I don't think it's disrespectful to wear pink. I don't think it would be a bad thing to wear pink. Um, but in terms of an official 100% we're doing this thing, it's um, it, it, the university hasn't said anything. So to answer your question, it's fan-led, uh, not university-led. If you want to do it, I'm all in on it. I think it's cool. Mm -hmm. I think it's um, a, a great cause. Would love you know, show support for the Venables family in a really really tough time. You know, uh, breast cancer is absolutely horrible, and we're all uh, hoping and you know thinking uh, the best for um, uh, for Miss Venables. And yeah, we 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 want we we endorse it. You know, if the university doesn't, we do. So I'll put it that way. Uh, if you wear pink, go for it. It's fan organized though, so uh, don't. If you're looking at official stuff, um, if you're looking, if you're waiting on that to give you the the go. Uh, I'll say maybe don't let that be the determining factor. Just determine it yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I, I don't have anything else to say about it. Um, completely agree. It's I'd keep an eye on it. I'm not. I I don't know how much I'll be convinced that they will put it out on social media because I feel like there's a lot of people that don't even have like a pink shirt in your wardrobe. So don't feel like you're inclined to have to go find a pink shirt. Um, but I'm, I'm curious to see how um, things will change throughout this week and the more we learn. Yeah, I don't think anyone will call you a jerk if you didn't wear a pink. Yeah. Not at this exactly. stage anyways. So. Mm -hmm. um, I think. Do we have any current? No, I, I think that I think that was it. Yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Uh, Ty, anything? I, I don't know if there's anything you wanted to say on that, uh, which is fine. Um, no, oh. I, I mean, I could pure speculation, but I, I could see it happening. I, if I were in OU shoes and I wanted to do one, I'd be ordering a bunch of, you know, special, you know, whatever the little rollout 
yeah, uh, I think that's are, yeah. or something like that. And I don't know that they could pull that off and as short of notice as all this chatter has been. So I could almost see it something that I bet it happens this season, but I, I don't know if it'll be this game. But again, y'all touched on that. I we can speculate on on stuff like this, but I could see them, you know, scrambling to order stuff right now, but it's not going to happen until, you know, maybe first conference game at home or something. Yeah. And I will say we, we, we do have to kind of, I, I will pivot a little bit. We have to bring this up because uh, some people in the comments have been wondering, Ty, where's that? Where's the cowboy hat? People, yes, people are upset now. that the cowboy yeah. hat's gone. Uh, visually, you know, for, for y'all podcast listeners, vis- visually Ty, uh, as a signature, has been wearing his cowboy hat with the iconic, um, you know, uh, uh, Zoom, uh, Sooner Zoomers uh, logo on it. It uh, has not made an appearance in a while. So, Ty, mm-hmm. where where is it? Yeah, look, I've been telling I've been telling Bobby and Blake and James and, and everyone else that I lost it in the move. I know exactly where it is. It survived the move. Uh, I've worn the cowboy hat the past two seasons, both of which I lost the weekend spread. So the cowboy hat must be cursed. I cannot risk it. Uh, it must be avoided. I didn't wear it. I'm already leading the weekend spread, obviously week zero. And uh, I'm tied for the lead with Bobby. We both went two and five because we're that good at picks <laughs> this year. Uh, but that shows our competition. Uh, we'll get into it later this week. But the captain, Boat and Blake, has not picked a game correct all season long so far. Uh, so he is currently losing. But, yeah, I cannot risk the, the cowboy hat. And so far – the results seem to be paying off. So the Cowboy hat will not be making an appearance, um, you know, for the foreseeable future, I guess, unless something I might bring it out for Red River or something Ooh. like that. Or or uh, if if I get a comfortable enough lead in the weekend spread that I can Ooh. risk it. But for now, for now, we must conduct a scientific study. Uh, the only possible variable that I can come up with for me losing the weekend spread is the Cowboy hat. So we've removed that. We have to do some testing now. Gotta wait a little bit. We're gonna see the results of testing, and then we're gonna evaluate from there. Yeah, the, our our fan base is is clearly uh, heartbroken by by its disappearance. But uh, you know, I I understand you've you've lost twice in a row. You need to you need to you need to buck that trend. You know, maybe maybe you wear the hat for the non weekend spread ones. Maybe there's a nice middle ground. But um, I don't know. I don't know. The hat the hat uh, was beloved and is clearly beloved by those. Um. Anyways, I did want to I did want to bring up you know, people talking about SMU 1982 saying that uh, they're, they're not obviously not Georgia. We were supposed to play them last year, but they should be really good non-power five team. I'm excited about that mm-hmm. game. We'll be talking about that uh, a lot um, next week, of course, when we preview that ball game. Um, and if you're asking about, uh, um, you know, T-shirt stuff for that uh, SMU striped stadium. So uh, that is 100 percent university striped stadium. That's that's gonna be that. Um but yeah, that's that's pretty much all we have for this episode. Jameson, anything we want to say before we leave? No, let's cut it off. I'm ready to watch some actually good football this coming Saturday. Um, we've got a fun slate. So if y'all are interested in listening to our podcast for the weekend spread, we will be doing those every single Wednesday. These podcasts will be coming every single Sunday. You will get them at 7.30 Central live on YouTube and then releasing them the next day. We'll be on a consistent schedule for you throughout the season. So you know every single Monday morning, if you're ready for this um, upcoming college football, just turn on the Schooner Pod on the Mondays. We'll have it released for your ride to work. And then also that Thursday, if you want to know the betting odds and what we're picking for that weekend spread slate.
and our weekend spread slate. I mean, it's got some good games, folks. Florida, Florida, Utah, uh, South Carolina, North Carolina in Charlotte, uh, LSU, Florida State in Orlando on Monday. I mean, it, it's wonderful. I mean, we even got some fun ones with the with the Big Twelve. You know, you got. I, I mean, TC, TCU, Colorado. I think everyone's going to pick. You know, TCU. But you know, there's there's a chance for some spice there. Uh, our favorite uh, Texas State. You know, the the Bobcats. Our guy, our guy Boco going down to Waco. Yes. UTSA, Houston, West Virginia, Penn State. Which I got to say, by the way, West Virginia, Penn State. That's a uh, the Big Ten Saturday night on NBC. Gotta bring it up. Fallout Boy doing the do, doing the music for uh, NBC's uh, college football coverage. How are we feeling about that? Uh, well, it, yeah, ooh, it's a it's it's a custom song about college football, very much like the Carrie Underwood stuff. So, yeah, uh, enjoy that. Uh, in 1982, of course, Texas Tech, Wyoming, and longtime listeners and viewers of the pod know, never trust Wyoming. That that never goes well. Never goes well. I hate Wyoming. We all do. We all do. Uh, they're the ultimate wild card, but we have to pick them. So it's going to be a great, great weekend spread. So make sure to tune into that on Wednesday night at 7.30. Or, uh, you know, if you're, if you're a podcast listener, you know, it'll be there for you on Thursday morning to get you ready for the kickoff, uh, all the week one kickoffs. So uh, exciting, exciting, exciting stuff. Um, once again, recruiting pod already up. Uh, if you've um been waiting for some david stone stuff that's coming that's already there you can go find it now on youtube the podcast it should be already up in your feed and yeah also check out jameson's uh tiktoks you know we, we've been doing a little more, bit more short form stuff uh because not not all of y'all uh not everyone loves to listen to an hour and 15 minutes uh spiel from all three of us which is fine i get it but uh if you want little bits you can go find it there on TikTok, on YouTube shorts, all of that. Jameson's been putting in the work, doing great, great stuff there, uh, to say the least. But uh, yeah, that's all we have for week one. Cannot wait for, for, for the weekend spread. And, you know, on behalf of me, Jameson and Ty, we will see you next week to talk about SMU, what happened on Saturday. And yeah, the season is officially on. So y'all have a great, great weekend. Start hydrating now for the game. It's 11 a.m. Oklahoma heat, 108 degrees. Get 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 the water in. Mix in a water. What? It's gonna be brutal. Man. I'm just, I just I just haven't looked at that weather. That's just gonna be ridiculous. Yeah, it's gonna be hot. Man. <laughs> I'm still gonna be tailgating, but yeah, it's not gonna be fun. But um, anyways, we will see you next time. Have a great weekend. Hydrate. And boomer sooner, everybody. <laughs>